This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You are watching and listening to Chris and Lester to Live Die TV on YouTube and your favourite podcasts. Hi everybody, Jerry Taggart here. Now be sure to watch Chris and Lester to Live Die TV by subscribing on YouTube and following them on social media for all the latest Leicester City news and information. Come on, you foxes! You're watching Lester Till I Die TV. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favourite podcast platform. Or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. Right, Chris. All white there. All white the back. How the devil are we? It's been ages absolutely ages and thank you for joining us and i've got to say you are so much nicer than last week's audience yes how many other catchphrases can i pinch oh plenty i'll tell you plenty this is of course a lester till i die tv and uh, we are live uh, and everything that is could go wrong tonight is going wrong let me just tell you that uh, if you were with us earlier you would have seen uh, myself and um, Craig struggling to get everything working. You see, this is what happens when you put old folks, old folks in front of uh, a camera. Nothing ever works, uh, as indeed it, it isn't at the moment. So it is X on the pitch uh, show tonight. And I'm just having a look to see 
if I can find what I need to play. Um, it will be here somewhere, you know. It, it, it went so well earlier, he says not. <laughs> oh, dear. Here we go. So, tonight we're going to be looking at uh, Pats and Dacca. What a player. What a player we could have there. Uh, Norwich City, and I was going to be asking the question, why? <laughs> and uh, poor old Man United. You know, you, you've, you've got to laugh, haven't you? <laughs> you have if you're Leicester. It is Leicester's on ITV. This is where you can watch us live. And, of course, listen to us live. Well, not listen to us live, because if you're listening to us on the podcast, we will be on catch-up. Uh, X on the pitch, as I say, uh, the Conservative Women's Association's top totty is back with us again. I'm running out of organisations, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome along. you something in the week. Xbox, <laughs> uh, uh, Julian Watch. Good evening, sir. How the devil are you? I'm very good, Chris. And you? Yeah, not so bad, thank you very much. Uh, I'd be better if I knew what I was doing on here. I didn't have my right videos loaded up or anything. But uh, so, uh, so you, have you seen the Conservative ladies recently? Not, not for a while, but I have been meaning to catch up with them for some time. So I'll uh, make that a priority this week. Well, apparently they're, 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 they've got some calendars that they want you to sign. <laughs> <laughs> you you would not know the lengths to which I have been to try and find that. <laughs> you are lucky. You are lucky. <laughs> There's nowhere. No, not one to be found anywhere, unfortunately. But um... I think I bought the last thousand. <laughs> is, is it like a scene from the full monty where he goes out and buys all the papers and puts it in the bin <laughs> do you remember what month you were uh, i don't know why i'm going to say june but i'm not sure <laughs> i was thinking of december with a couple of yeah. strategically placed baubles <laughs> hopefully not holly of course you know that would be a bit so, um, yep, yeah, tonight uh, we've got a few things. We're going to start off and looking at this gentleman. Um, well, what 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 isn't the left to say about him? Um, I've put there Norwich City, what's the point exactly? And uh, Manchester United, uh, what's going wrong? And if anybody's got any questions at the end, please stick them in the chat as we go along. And uh, if we've got time at the end, we'll put a few, few to Julian. Uh, but let's start with, I mean, four goals in one game, um, some assists. He, he, he set up uh, Madison for the second of the weekend. Patson Dacker, I mean, what what a player. Yeah, I think my only surprise from him, obviously when a player signs for the club, you get to see lots of highlights of what he's been doing. Uh, and obviously his time at Leipzig was uh, extremely productive. Um, and I'm, I'm just surprised he's not featured more, if I'm honest. Um, you know, he's, he's got the pace. He seems to have got the composure. Um, and I just think he'd have been given more game time initially than he has been. 
than he has done. Um, you know, obviously scored the four goals in the in the European trip, which was absolutely fantastic. Took the goals well, and then we see his maturity at the weekend when he when he's through and he's got the you know the uh, you know what it is. I know a lot of strikers who would have tried to put that one in, and he just yeah. sees the certain goal and lays it to one side uh, to Madison. So unselfish. Uh, Obviously, you you, would, you wouldn't have passed that, would you? No, no, no. I'd, I'd, I'm sure I'd have missed that. I'd, I'd at least had a go myself. But um, <laughs> it, ju- it just shows that at 23, I think, is it's quite a bit of maturity and quite a bit of composure on the pitch. And, and that's that's what I really like about him. And, and like you say, I mean, I think Vardy in that position against Brentford would have probably shot himself. But in fairness, he, he probably would have scored. <laughs> Not going to yeah. uh, say that. I guess. But I think the problem is a lot of a lot of fans have been saying, you know, why are we buying these players and then not playing them? But I suppose the thing is, he, he, I don't know whether you could, do you think you could play him and Vardy together? To me, they're too similar. No, and, and, and again, something that's good about him is that for me, he looks like that eventual re- replacement for Vardy. He does what Vardy does. He likes to get in behind and he constantly wants to get in behind. And that's all Vardy's done all of his career. Uh, and obviously, he's been fantastic at it. And, uh, and Patson looks like he's exactly the same player. Obviously, he's got a few years to go before he can sort of match, you know, what, what Jamie's done. But yeah. they've signed someone, you know, it's like they've got a game plan and we're sticking to similar players to what we've already got because we know that works in this league. And that's where he, he sort of mirrors what Jamie does. Obviously, a lot younger. We'll learn a lot. But no, I don't. I don't see them playing together. If I'm honest, but you know, I can see um, he sort of links up well with uh, Nacho, and you know, yeah. and obviously then in the uh, in the European game as well, as well as the second half at the weekend. So um, you know, he, whether he could play up front on his own like Vardy could, I don't, I'm not sure. Not sure if he could yet, but he, he seems to be linking linking up with other players really well. And you know what, what we said was like, you know, why isn't he getting more game time? But you know, from from what we've said there. Um, you, 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 you're saying that you got to drop Jamie Vardy, whether that's in a two with Ian Acho or on his own. And I suppose the difficulty is, unless he's particularly injured, which he was obviously, uh, you know, in the first half at Brentford, he, he came off at half time. But unless he's injured or suspended, how can you drop Jamie Vardy? You know, the argument always would be, and I've always said, you know, it's the player on form that deserves to be in. But you know, with Jamie Vardy, is a bit like Gary Lineker. You know, you keep him on the pitch for 90 minutes, he does nothing for 89, and then gets you the winner in the 90th. You do, and I don't think Jamie often has bad games. He's quite consistent in the way, way he plays. So, you know, you are going to play him week in, week out, knowing, you know, what he's got in the locker. Um, and, you know, I just think with Patsy, it'd be, it'd be a thing of, this is the point where they can look at, giving Jamie less game time to benefit the squad and the team in the fact that, you know, you're resting him a bit more. You're not stretching him for 90 minutes where, you know, I've talked about his age and I don't think he's really slowed down a lot, but you things like your hamstrings and stuff like that. For players who are quick, you, you know, you get to an age and you, you can't really push yourself as much as you used to when you were younger. And I think this is the perfect opportunity if, you know, if Dakar keeps showing, you know, the potential that he is at the moment and scoring the goals and putting the performances in where, you know, maybe after 60, 70 minutes and we're one or two up, it's a perfect time to, to bring Vardy on and, and keep Dakar's pro- progression going really well, which is what he's doing at the moment. I, mean, I keep saying every season, you know, this is probably Jamie's last season of playing regularly and he keeps sort of, you know, saying, get lost, Chris, you know, <laughs> look, just watch me go. And... I do think at some point, 
I mean, because I think it will come down to a point where, you know, if Jamie's not getting regular game time, and it's not the fact that, you know, he's bad or anything like that, but it is just his age will eventually, I think, catch up on him. And, yeah, you say injuries as well. When he, when he's injured now, I've noticed it's that bit longer for him to come back. Mm. I think I think what we would see, if, if Dak is the answer, and if he, like I say, he, he looks a fantastic player, uh, and if he, he continues to progress and do what he's been doing in the last few weeks and he can build on that, I think all you'll see is the game time shifting between, you know, less for Jamie. And I'm, this could happen over, you know, six months, a year, 18 months, depending how long, you know, Jamie's fit for and how long he can keep playing at the level that he's playing. And all you'll see is then it'll be a bit of a swap over and, and eventually you'll get to a point where Dakar starts and, and Jamie becomes his understudy, but I still think he'd be a great understudy, you know, oh, to yeah. bring on in the last 30 minutes of a game. And and that's where he may see himself. If he doesn't want to drop down or if he wants to finish his career at Leicester, I just think you'll see that that tip from, from where it is now uh, over over the other side to where Dakar's, you know, getting more game time. But like I say, that, that could be a year off, yeah. You know, I don't yeah. think Jamie's looking, you know, he still looks, you know, like he's got that fire in his belly. He's got that anger, you know, that he's chasing, that aggression, mm-hmm. chasing players down, still scoring goals. Like I say, I don't think any of us know how long it will go on for, but, you know, it's not going to be over any time soon, but it looks like this could be a perfect opportunity to, uh, you know, to to progress for the team. I mean, I, I sort of see him and, to be fair, Mark Albrighton pretty much doing the same because, you know, Mark Albrighton's in a position where, again, he's getting on a little bit, God bless him. But can you imagine those players coming on you know, with 15, 20 minutes, you're a defender. You can, you know, you, you've played against a team for sort of 70 minutes. The striker goes off and, you know, you look over and it's Jamie Vardy walking off the pitch. You know, you're going to sort of go, oh my God, please, no, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, you know, your afternoon's just got a little bit worse. And, you know, you think about it, like you say, with, with Albright and, and Vardy, you know, if they came on late in games, mm. you know, their game management will be absolutely critical. So you might have a younger squad and you're bringing on a couple of players like that to close a game down when you, you're winning 1-0 and you need to see the game out. So, like I say, I still think that's a way off. It might be, you know, like I say, maybe the end mm. of this season, beginning of next season. You can see that cycle coming. But, you know, right now, you know, Dak is in the perfect position where he's going to learn off someone very similar to him in a great atmosphere, in, in a really good squad. And, you know, we, we talk about the club and I know we're all biased, but it is a great yeah. club to be at. And I'm I'm sure he's going to thrive in, you know, in, in that kind of atmosphere. Like you say, it all depends really, I suppose, where Jamie sees his future. You know, does he drop down? But even, I suppose, if he dropped down to the Championship, it's not going to necessarily be easier for him because in a lot of ways, it's a harder league. There's more games because there's more people, you know, more teams, teams in there. But, like you say, does he want to drop down or does he, you know, he just bought a club in America or he jointly bought a club in America. Is he going to go over there and maybe sort of play a little bit over there? So I suppose it is down to him on where he seems to want to go. But, you know, he's had his chance to leave. I think he's proved sort of how much he loves the club. Yeah, and, and I think he seems to be quite level-headed about some of the decisions he's made. And particularly, I, I totally understand or understood why he resigned from the England team. I mean, you know, at the moment, if the England if England are playing one of the top teams in the world in a competition, Harry Kane is going to start. You could yeah. be travelling all over Europe, all over the world, knowing you're not going to start. And I think that's demoralising for any player. And I think he's thought about that. 
you know, he's got a family and everything and thought, you know, why, why do I need to do that? And some people won't understand that thinking, well, you know, you're in England internationally, you can get a few more caps, but it, it mm. must be very, very, you know, demoralising. And for me personally, you know, I, I think he should be vying with Kane because of, of what he can offer differently. Could they play together with Kane as a number 10? But, you know, obviously those conversations haven't happened. And, he, and he's, like I say, quite level-headed in making that decision and, you know, probably correctly in my mind. And I think, like you've said, with this, investment in the club in America, that for me would be perfect taste. I don't I don't think he's the type of player who'd want to drop down to another club in England. I think mm-hmm. he'd like to finish his English career at Leicester, like I say. Mm-hmm. I think it'll go on, it'll be definitely going beyond this season, possibly to the end of next season. And who knows after that, but I think there comes a decision where does he go over there and maybe play a year or two over there or, or does what he wants to do with that club. But mm-hmm. um you know time will tell. But he, he seems to sort of know what path he's on. He is level-headed, and I think you know a lot of the the decision with the um, with the England one was the fact that Roy Hodgson never used to play him in the right position. He seemed to play him as a as a left winger, and I think that was a, probably the, the him down to the decision for him not to go to Arsenal either, because mm. I don't think you know there's no point I don't think in buying a player just because of who they are. If they're not going to fit into your plans, you're just going to be warm in the bench, aren't you? And, uh, you know, so if he'd gone to Arsenal, would he have been starting as a striker every week? I don't think he would have been. No, I don't as well. And, you know, I know we're going to touch on Man United later. And I said this last week, you know, the thing with Greenwood, for me, he's a striker. But because he's a good player, they're fitting him into the team. Is that the right thing to do? I don't think it is. I don't think it is for the lad's development. Rashford was a striker. Now, I don't think anyone sees him as a striker. He plays either side of the striker because Mm. he sort of got forced out there. And obviously, you've got, you know, Ronaldo and Cavani who aren't going to play in those positions. So, they're sort of getting farmed out, playing slightly out of position. Uh, when you know, really, they shouldn't be. Greenwood could probably grace half the Premier League's teams, uh, yeah, as a striker. And, and you know, and, and and Jamie Vardy for that definitely would not want to be in any of those other positions. He he's very clever and he thrives on being the shoulder of that last defender and just making those runs in behind. And he loves scoring. So, you know, why would you take yourself out of that? So, yeah, you know, I think he's definitely made the right decision staying at Leicester because he knows that he is going to start every week in the role that he wants to start in. And looking at Patson, and I mean, what I see in Leicester is a team that is actually looking ahead, you know, because we know we've been we've been calling out for a, a, an, an extra striker for, for a couple of seasons now, but they brought Patson in, who isn't the finished article by any means, which is <laughs> it's great because you think what he can be when he's the finished article, but he's there ready to take over, a bit like Soyun Chu with, with Harry Maguire. You know, you, and some of the young players that are coming through as well, they're there ready. You know, Chilwell left, Luke Thomas almost just sort of, you, you wouldn't have noticed any difference. You know, it, it, it it's a good thing that we seem to do that as a club. Yeah, and I know we've spoken before about the recruitment of the club and I think, it, you know, it's fantastic the way they're bringing players through the academy. The facilities down there are amazing, but also, you know, the, play, the players that they're bringing in and, you know, they, they encouraged and persuaded Tielemans to choose us over, you know, Man United and we didn't pay, you know, mm. top, top dollar for him. It was like, you know, a reasonable fee and he's been worth every last, you know, penny of it. Oh, um, yeah. Like you say, Luke Thomas, you know, JJ, all these players who've come in, say Unchu, Fafana, you know, and then then Dakar as well. And you've got Nacho, yes. who, who again, who seems to thrive in that too. And again, that's something we've changed in the last few weeks. We've, we've talked a lot about settling on a formation this season. And, you know, they've now gone back to this back three, albeit with a number 10, which is fine. And, um, 
it, it seems to be working from them, you know, on all fronts. So, you know, that that's a big step forward. And with that is a front two, which suits Nacho, who, like we've said, when he plays with another striker, it's quite a formidable uh, player. It's just that he couldn't do it on his own. Yeah. I mean, you know, Bats and Dakar, I mean, he is obviously been at, well, he was at, sorry, Red Bull Salzburg uh, from sort of 2017, played 82 times, scored 54 goals. That's not a bad return, really, is it? No, it's phenomenal. And I think they won a few titles while he was there, which is fantastic. Yeah. And, and you know, Leipzig, they, 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 they are uh, a team... Uh, who bring through players? They've got a good reputation for it, and he's another one that that's come through um, and, and done well. And obviously, straight away gets picked up. And, and again, you know, we've we've paid probably the right money if he turns out to be the the player that we think he is. I do kind of worry a little bit because we tend to buy, and nothing against them. Obviously, they're fantastic players, but we're buying a lot of African players at the moment. And you've got, you know, come sort of is it January when you got the African Cup of Nations? You know, when you look at the players that we could potentially lose, you know, Daka, Inacho, I mean, two of your three strikers, if they're informed and picked, have gone straight away. Yeah, and I'm sort of surprised with this, with the African Nations Cup, that there isn't something in the season where, you know, where they don't either alter their schedule or, or we don't uh, make our schedule a bit more accessible where we can, you know, maybe a break for a week or, I mean, we've, we've talked long you know, about a winter break and could yeah. you match it in with that? And uh, You know, it does seem a shame. And like you say, if you've, if you've got a couple of the lads who are going to go over there for that tournament, then, you know, straight away, it, you know, it depletes your squad and hopefully that's something the club have, and I'm sure it is, that they've thought about, and you know, yeah. and have got a plan B. And it's not just, in fairness, it's not just Leicester. There's so many clubs mm. that, uh, uh, I mean, you know, I suppose it, I don't know whether it's weather planned or what. I mean, you know, with our Euros and what have you. But and also, in fairness, you've then got the Copa America. You know, it is, as 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 a team, you expand and you, you get these fantastic players from around the globe. That is something that you need to sort of take into account. Um he, you know, he, he's played at every level for Zambia as well, under 17s, under 20s, and and the full team. Not quite. I mean, it is more difficult to score, I think, at national level than it is sort of maybe a, you know local, you know, team level. 27 games for Zambia, seven goals. Um, I don't know whether anything should be read into that at all. No, I mean, I think that's a good return because, you know, Zambia aren't one of the better teams. And if you're not playing in one of the better teams, it's, you know, it's, it is hard, you know, goals are harder to come by. So, yeah. you know, probably seems a good record, one in every three or so or three and a half um, uh, games. It's not a bad return at all. But yeah, it would be a shame, you know, if we, if we did lose the players. Uh, and like I say, it's, it's hopefully something that, you know, the club and like I say, I'm sure they do think about these things and plan them in. But, it, you know, I suppose it'd be interesting for quite a few of the, top teams in the league who will lose players. Talking of losing players, something that's always in my mind is when we buy a player is, okay, how long are we going to have him for? You know, Man United have already been linked with Fafana as soon as he's back from uh, from injury. You know, Pat Sandaka, are we going to have him for a couple of seasons? Then he moves on. I suppose that depends on how we develop as a club and, and you know, what sort of success we have. Um, but, you know, as a financial side, it's it's not a bad position to be in because you know we are making huge profit on these players. But it just seems, and we've we've touched on the recruitment a lot. But 
teams, these bigger teams, don't like to seem to want to take the gamble on the younger players. No, they don't, and I, I do think that's what we do well. But then, you know, the the downside of it is if we if we've done our homework on the young players and he turns out to be as good as we think he's going to be, you know, then they soon can be snapped up. And all you would hope, and it seems like what we have done over the last few years is we've had the next young player lined up for when the young player's done yes. well and, and moves on to pastures yeah. new. It seems like you know they're doing a great job in 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 already thinking about well if he if he improves in the next two years. Who are we looking at? Uh, and there must be so much work that, that goes into this. Um, you know, and I, and I think like, for me, I've always said the best deal we ever did was Maguire to, to Man U and bringing in Johnny Evans. Mm. You know, what a, you know, yeah. turnaround in cash and what Johnny cost and, and what he's brought to the team. Uh, just a quiet, unassuming, goes about his job in a fantastic way. Great influence, you know, on the players around him, particularly the young centre-halves who we've brought in as well. And that's just worked out, you know, fantastically. So, um yeah, like I say, I think that I think they get it right all the time. Right now, we just seem to be that club that, yeah, we will at the right price, and the right price is nearly always, you know, a vast sum of money. I think if Tielemans did leave it, it's got to be, you know, you got if you're looking at, you know, Declan Rice and they're talking more than hundred million. For me, Tielemans, all right, take De Bruyne out of, you know, out of the conversation. Yeah. I think he's probably the best box-to-box midfielder in the Premier League and would grace any team. So, you know, you've got to be talking big money for him. And as a club, do we take that money and bring the next one in at 2030? You know, I think that's probably where we are, even if we wouldn't like to think that's the case. But I think that's probably where we are at the moment. Every player has his price. (coughs) Excuse me. Every player has his price if the price is right, so to speak. You know, and I think with Tillemans, you'd be looking at 100 million Mm -hmm. plus. As a player, would you know when they've gone to Dakar and they're talking, will you come and sign for us? And you know, showing him around, telling him what we've got, would they say to him, Look, you know, this is the plans we've got for you, you're not going to get in the team straight away because we've got Jamie Vardy, etc. Um, I suppose they're not going to make promises they can't keep, but like Fafana, he never expected to, to be thrown in the team the way he was. But, you know, Pat Sendak has gone from Salzburg, where he was a regular, playing probably every single game, you know, uh, that, that that they wanted him to, to almost, if you like, an understudy. Is that explained to you when, when you sign in? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's different now than it is then, you know, with the money and whatever and what they can bring in. But I think with Dakar, the conversation would obviously, you know, really obviously would have been, you know, Jamie Vardy, great servant to the club, still scoring goals, come and learn from him. You know, we'll, 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 you know, bring you on development wise with the coaching and what have you. Facilities are amazing. It's the Premier League, you know, keep going on the path you're going and you will get an opportunity. And I think that's probably enough for any, you know, young striker in an Austrian you know, league team yeah. that you know, the, and and the, and and I think players, particularly coming to Leicester, will think that they have got an opportunity that they will be playing sooner than if they went somewhere else. And I think that was the case with Tielemans, who turned down Man United, or so it was reported. You know, and then the, you can look at and point to Fafana and say, well, he came, you know, as cover, a few injuries, and he's in the team doing well, and then everybody's after him. Luke Thomas again, you know, the same. JJ, you know, they've come in and been absolutely fantastic, and. You know they're going to be linked with 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 other clubs, but yeah, the 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 situation will definitely be spoke about. But I think Leicester, moreover than the other teams, the top sort of you know three, four, five, six that we call them normally, um, you'd think a player would prefer to come to Leicester, thinking that he's going to have more game time. Uh, and you know the classic one for me, and we will touch on it later. Definitely is is Van der Beek at Man United. I just think what a waste of a, a transaction and what a waste of a season of out of a player's life. 
Hello. Hello. <laughs> I apologise profusely there. I'm trying to message you quickly on there. I, I got a lot of, um, of, of strange noise and then uh, I disappeared. Uh, and I, I've just ordered a pizza and had a glass of red, so it's all right. <laughs> I, I really, I, I'm so, I don't know, I literally had to unplug my computer and plug it all back in and load everything up again. <laughs> so, uh, did you say something that it didn't like by any chance? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, I do apologise. I, I did say at the start, didn't I? This If this show goes off all in one piece, it will be amazing. Um but yeah, I think we'd, we we just talked, haven't we? I think about uh, uh, you know bringing people in ready and uh, and like you say, um, it is discussed with them. They know they know where they are when they they come in. And uh, like you say, I suppose there is the pull of the Premier League, isn't there? And, and Leicester now, sometimes probably we put ourselves down that you know people will look at Leicester and say, yeah, they have won the Premier League, and yes, they have won the FA Cup, um, and it is you know, a good team to go to. Yeah, of course it is. You know, we talk every week, the club's a great club, you know, and it's got that feel to it. And like I say, all the young ones that have come in and, and last season in particular got the opportunity probably far sooner than they expected to. And that's a great example for anyone you're signing who, who wants an example of where his career path might be if he comes to Leicester as opposed to, again, we'll use Man United as the obvious example with, you know, a wealth of talent on the bench or a couple hundred million on the bench and, you know they're not they're not getting any game time and it's not you know helping their careers uh, full yeah. stop. So it, it, I think Leicester's an attractive proposition for for any particularly young player thinking that you know they're, they're going to get a chance and they're going to get uh, you know improvement and and the chance to play on the biggest stage in the world. We will quickly now then um, move on and let's let's hope we just get Pat Sandaka for a few years and enjoy him and make the most of him while while we've got him. Um, we will come on to the second uh, topic uh, straight after he says this is also so badly, but straight straight after this you may recognise this guy. Oi, oi, all right, Chris, this is Neil Razor and Ruddock here. No, no, you're huge. A Leicester City fan. You run the website, Facebook, the Twitter site, Leicester Till I Die. That's what you are, Chris. I'm Leicester Till I Die. I'm Leicester Till I Die. Anyway, Chris, well done for doing all the hard work for Leicester City. All the best, son. Neil Razor Ruddock. Aye, aye, Chrissy. Aye, aye. I think he's been down the 19th hole with you, hasn't he? <laughs> he's had more wine than I've had tonight. So, <laughs> when, when doesn't he? Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. He's uh, <laughs> up there with uh, what she called the owns Norwich City. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, Smith, isn't it? But leading on to Norwich, sorry, it always always makes me laugh. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. Leading on to Norwich, and I'm sorry, Terry, yes, your question did survive. I have still got your question. Thank you very much. Um, Norwich City, our last few games, there's a couple of scores in there that none of us would want to see as fans against our team. 5-0 to Man City, 7-0 to, to Chelsea. Um, and it's not like a Southampton where it's, you know, once a season or, or not even that when, when it happens. But I put there sort of what's the point? But then when I started to think about it, thinking, am I starting to sound like a Man United 
I'm not sure it just sounds like a Liverpool, you know, with the Super League. We don't want these other clubs coming in. But surely if you, you know, to come up and go down and come up and go down, I just, but when they go down, they're going down without a whimper. Mm. I think, I can only think that from their point of view, you know, they see themselves as a family club. They don't want to, you know, outlay as some clubs did historically, big money on big players and then which leads them then into financial trouble. So I'm sure that when they come up, they go back down, you know, they get, um, you know, they get the money that uh, helps them when they, when they get relegated, like the bubble payment and, and they come back up. And I suppose as a club, they're probably quite a wealthy club and they're just managing that situation. But it's got to the point where it does really seem a little bit ridiculous where, you know, it's like, have the club got any ambition? You know, are you, are they happy to see that? I mean, I'm, I'm glad they've kept hold of the manager. He's obviously got something about him, but yeah. I think this season in particular and, and the weekend's performance against Chelsea really stood out as a, you know, they were just so far away as professional footballers. You wouldn't have wanted to have a, been on the pitch with a Norwich shirt on it. Where, you know, it was a bit awkward and a bit embarrassing. You, They were sort of miles away from it. They didn't press well together, didn't string passes together, real basic, basic errors. And it, it's starting to look, for me, like a bit of a shambles. Uh, and you wouldn't want, as a player, to be involved in that. It's, you know, you want to be able to, like, you know, I go back a lot to when we came up in the 90s and, we, we, you know, even when we lost, we lost with a fight. We were hard to play against. Yeah. We might have come up and we did come up against some great teams and some great players, but we still gave 100. But, you know, it wasn't for the lack of training. And for me now with Norwich, it just seems like even at this early stage, and, it, you know, it's all likely that they will get relegated, but it's like they've already accepted relegation. You know, there's none of this of going as long as you can and we can still get out of it. It's like, well, we're going to get relegated and they're going through the motions and, Sure, I'm sure that's not the case with professional footballers, but it it certainly looked like that uh, against Chelsea in particular. And I mean, you know, even in that in, in the Great Escape year of us, you know, we were losing week after week, but we were putting up fights. You know, I just can't. I, you know, it's like it's like a boxer on the ropes. You know, just taking a pounding week mm. after week. I mean, if we look, last time they were up was 2019-20. And they came bottom, won five, got 21 points. Before that, there was 2015-16, they were 19th and 34 points. And then, but maybe they did sort of do a bit better. Villa were bottom that, that time. 2013-14, uh, 18th <laughs> with 35 points. I mean, you know, even when they were getting relegated before, at the least they were seen, you know, they were, they were getting, you know, into the 30s. The last you know, the last couple of times, it's like, I just think there's, there's clubs that come up like, you know, you can look at Brentford this season and they've come up and they're giving it a go. And, you know, I know they don't want to sort of go bust or whatever, but, you know, buy some players, put up a fight because the way I'm looking at it is, and like I say, I'm trying not to, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not, don't want to sort of spend the money, but it just, you just want to sort of think that the club's going to come up and make an effort. And there's going to be clubs that aren't coming up that could probably put up a, a better fight. Say Brentford this season, um, uh, Leeds United, Sheffield United, both came up and gave it a go. And then you've got Norwich. Like I said, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm like I say, a Man United you know, fan or a Liverpool fan or whatever and kill them off. But I just want to see teams come up. I want to see them do well. I'm loving Brentford doing well. 
Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I, I think myself, I've got to the point, I think you sort of look at it for a few seasons and just say, it's really nice, they've kept the manager, he's got them back up, whoa, they've gone back down again, that's unfortunate. This is the season, as I've just said, where it, it looks a lot worse than that. It looks, mm. uh, you know, they're, they're already thinking about the championship next year and not could they possibly stay up where you would know that other clubs would come up with it with plenty more ambition. And maybe this is the year where, you know, the, the sort of scrap this idea with the manager and I'm not saying he's a bad manager, but you know, Frank's come up with Brentford and he's, he's not outlaid great deals of money, but um, you know, he seems to have put a team together that can survive in this league. And, and that is, you can see the influence on Brentford that the manager has. Uh, and right now I can't see, you know, the influence on Norwich that the managers, you know, giving to him. It's just like, you know, we're going down without a fight every week. And, um, you know, you, you don't really want to see that. So, um, yeah, I think the, there needs to be a change there. Like I say, the, the club's a family club and they've they've stuck by him for so long, which is great. But I think it does need, definitely need, a, you know, a change in tack now. Terry says there, in between your shows, watch another stream. Their camera crashed. Must be StreamYard tonight. <laughs> well, not just me then. Not just me. I, Derby County. I mean, I'd hate for this record to be taken off Derby County because I love the fact that Derby County got relegated with the least number of points ever. Just in case you're watching Derby County fans, worst number of points ever in the Premier League, and that was eleven. And uh, in 2007-8, I'm going to be honest with you here. I can't see Norwich getting 11 points this season. No, I can't. Like you know, like I say it's it's like the the, the fight's already left them. You mm. know, you'd expect teams to be getting to Christmas and they might you know still be in a bad place, but they'd still be going out every week and rolling the sleeves up. Uh, and then this, it just looks like that as you know, it's left the club. You can't see the fight in the manager. You can't see the fight in the players. Um, and it's just really disappointing all around. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't get to double figures. Uh, you'd like to think they would, but you can't see where the points are coming from. And, you know, like you're looking at your Brentfords that have come up that are really performing well, that you think, oh, they might be someone would nick a few points off. But, you know, I can't see that this season. And, you know, the top teams have all upped the game a bit. So the, the league's got stronger and, and they seem to have got weaker. So it looks like it's going to be another disastrous season for them. And then, you know, what, what do they do next? Yes. I mean, you know, it, 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 a few times ago, there were, you know, even Watford beat them and Watford came up with them. And, you know, they should know, having played them a couple of times last season, know a bit about them. And mm -hmm. at Norwich, Watford beat them. Uh, didn't keep the manager his job, of course, but uh, yeah. uh, the, you know, even, even, even they did that. I just, I don't know what to say. I mean, you know, does Frank, is it his fault or is it the owners not giving him the money to spend, do you think? Um, well, I would say so because they don't see, you know, they, they've, they've lost a couple of players um, and, and, and not really replaced them. So unless they had a sparkling recruitment, a bit like, you know, what we have bringing like the really young players in on, on low money that if they did drop down to the championship, you know, the wages wouldn't be massive. You wouldn't have outlaid a lot of, you know, dollar for them in the first place. And they're the type of players they should be looking for. But I've not even seen any activity, you know, in that respect to, to improve anything at all. So, um, you know, it's just like they seem happy with this yo-yo existence. And, you know, the fans have always seemed to be go along with it. But I, I am just wondering if this is the season where, you know, that all changes and, and, and there's a few opinions and attitudes go against what they've been doing in the last sort of seven or eight years. Yeah. 
Delia Smith, that's I couldn't think of a name earlier. You know, let, let's be having you. We all remember that, don't we? You know, <laughs> took, took, less, took lessons off me with that. I think she did. Uh, I don't even think her running onto the pitch doing that again would 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 rouse this <laughs> lot, to be honest with you. You know, um, <laughs> but I mean, the, you know, like I say, they deserve the chance, bless them. They've come up, and I say, I'm all for the, this. No disrespect, smaller clubs coming up and doing well, but like I say, at least put up a fight. I mean, yeah, it wasn't so, you know, so long ago. I mean, we know we just looked at the more the, the recent years, but um, you know, nine, 93 94, they were 12th, uh, yeah. 92 93, which was their first seat. Well, I think obviously that was around the time when the Premier League was formed, but they um, they came third and of course had a, had a good run in Europe. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it doesn't seem too long ago. But having said that, we've seen with a lot of clubs, you know, your Man Cities, Sunderland's, you know, some really big clubs have been through, you know, the the, yeah. the wheels and dropped down a couple of visions and, and come back up. But they've they've actually, I mean, Sunderland now just seem to be rebuilding. Man City dropped down. Obviously, there was a big sort of cash injection, but a lot of rebuilding there, you know, and and a few clubs have bounced back and made themselves strong again. Um, but they they just don't seem that kind of club. Uh, and I don't think anything's going to change. And I think, you know, I sort of agree with you, Chris, in the fact that, you know, if they went down, you, you probably wouldn't want them to come back up again next season. No, no. Because you want, you know, you, it's, it's obviously, you know, as a fan, it's nice, like when we go and watch Southampton, you know, beat and beat them 9 nil and what have you. But you just, you want some competition there, don't you? You want a bit of a, a fight, you know, you want teams to make you want to win it. Otherwise, it's... it's I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it must get boring watching your team win every week. But you know, you know where I'm coming from, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Like I say I think that there's there's got to be a change in it, really. But mm. uh, you know, it's it's like a given three points for most clubs, and they're coming away devastated yeah. if they, you know if they don't get three points. Yeah. And it it does seem. I mean, you've you put it on you know on, on the text. You know, what is the point in them? And it's a really harsh sort of statement, but it seems you know it's quite fitting. At the moment, you know, could someone else come up and really give it a go and make the league a bit more interesting? Whereas, yeah. you know, at this moment in time, they're not. So, you know, I'll have to just see how that one plays out. But obviously, you know, there doesn't seem any chance whatsoever they're going to get anywhere near out of this trouble. Do you think, uh, as a club, and we've asked this last question before we move on, but clubs, and I can understand why, are a bit scared of going out and spending money? You know, you look at what happened to Leeds, um, from where they were, they 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 try to live the dream, um, and you know you're up against teams. I mean, you know, we think of ourselves as a rich club, but we're nowhere up there with the Man Cities, the Chelsea's, or the Newcastles. Now, it must be scaring and daunting for these smaller clubs. It is, but I suppose it's how you manage it. So there was that. I know when when Leary was in charge of O'Leary oh, was in charge of Leeds. That I'm sure that season, the reason they outlaid the money because they wanted Champions League football. You know, yeah. they'd had a good season and it was like, right, let's get into that top four, which, they, you know, seemingly they look like they'd be they'd be capable of. They spend the money and then it's if you, you know, if you spend quite a lot of money and giving out, you know, three, four year contracts to players on big, big money. The issue is then when you go down and you can't really afford those wages. I don't think it's quite like that now, but then obviously you've got the other side of that where, you know, you can take loan players for a year and, you know, maybe not yeah. an ideal scenario when you've got your you know, the players that you, you know, currently at the club, but the only player they've taken, I think, is, is it the Brandon Williams, the, the wing back from Man United, yeah. who's, 
you know, he's played in the first team at Man United, but, you know, he's probably not anywhere near it. Um, and, he's, you know, he's in the first team there and he's doing all right. But you'd think they'd be looking at a lone striker or a lone, you know, somewhere down the middle of the team where you need to be strong, centre of the park, centre-back, you know. Um, and that's, for me, where the sort of lacking. They've not made any investment in those areas. And, you know, as we all know, if, um, you know, Loftus-Cheek, which I, I think is a great player, and he's actually getting an opportunity at the moment at Chelsea, Went and had a season on loan at Fulham. You know, do you look at players yeah. like that who are, you know, they've been on the edge of the England team. They're a very, very big club, which is perhaps why they're not getting the opportunities. Do you look at the Chelsea's and the Man United's and the Man City's and think, you know, I'm, I'm going to do you a favour, uh, take one of your players for a season-long loan, but actually you're doing me a right favour because I'm getting a yeah. bit of quality above and beyond what I've already got. Frankie the Fox, welcome along. How the devil are you, sir? Yeah, Risdale did have a uh, have a bit of fun with a few clubs, didn't he? Uh, to, to to say the least. Um, from one club that's definitely in trouble to one club that might be in trouble. We're going to be looking at Man United straight after this. <laughs> I'm continue. Hi, Chris. One sec, is that it? That's, Can you hear me? Yeah. Did you press <laughs> the wrong button? To be honest with you, oh, God knows what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> Somehow I managed to mute myself, which <laughs> a lot of people have said, you know, carry on, carry on. Uh, yeah, I'll just say, I do love that clip. It kind of sums up Man United at the moment, bless them. But, you know, is it a case with Man United? Because I can remember Man United in the um, in the seventies when Liverpool were, were all domineering. They'd go out and buy a player because of who he was, not the fact that he would just fit into the system or he was the right player for them. Um, it just basically to stop Liverpool buying, and they, and they they won nothing apart from the odd FA Cup. And they've got so many good players. And I said at the start of the season, should you know they not win something this season? then Ollie's got to go with the squad that he's got. He might not even last the season, though, mind he? No, um, sort of looking, and I know the, the thing that's sort of really clear in our heads at the moment is obviously the game on, on Sunday, and it, and it really just stood out like a sore thumb. And mm. there were times when Liverpool were attacking and you could see that the sort of, they're playing this 4-2-3-1 uh, Man United, but it, it left the top four not closing down, not tracking back left the rest of the team bare. You don't see that with the Liverpool team. Uh, you know, talk, I've talked about Henderson before and Milner, who some people don't rate, uh, I think, maybe didn't rate five years ago. have probably changed their opinions now, but they're like mm. a vital cog in what makes Liverpool uh, a fantastic team. And if you didn't have the Hendersons and the Milners and the Keiter, who's just, you know, picked up some form, then they wouldn't be anywhere near as strong. They need that firm base, which they absolutely have. And I don't think... Man United have got anything like a firm base. And I know, 
you know, the back four looked wobbly on on Sat on Sunday, sorry, but they didn't have a lot in front of them helping them out. And when you haven't, it doesn't matter how good you are, you know, you're gonna be exposed and you, you know, you're not you're not gonna be look or play at your best. And I think that's where they are right now. I think a lot of clubs have, you know, go through patches like this, obviously, you know, they, they do. I mean, but, you know, if, if you look at, sort of, say, Southampton losing to us 9-0 or even losing to Man United the following season 9-0, the fact that it's Man United, the fact that it's against Liverpool, which is, you know, the, 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 they see that more of a derby game than playing sort of Man City. And the fact, I just don't believe that, you know, with the star players they've got, there's just so many, you know square pegs and they're trying to put them into round holes and it's just actually I think they've probably got too too many if you like you know because you you can't keep you know you drop Ronaldo he's not going to be happy he's not going to be like a Pats and Daka and say all oh, right okay you know I'll, I'll wait this game and what have you and is Ollie the right man to to manage all these what will be huge egos in the dressing room I think right now, I mean, they concede. Uh, they've got. They looked at the stats on Sunday, and, and all the defensive stats were like twentieth in the league, and you know, yeah. conceding first, which they do quite often. And that yeah. for me is the first thing. I mean, you know, seasons or league leagues are won on on clean sheets, you know, mm. and, and not conceding goals at any level of football. And and that's really the absolute where they should start now. But nothing changes. The back four doesn't change. You've got Fred and McTominay again in the middle of the park. The formation's not changed. He's not changed anything in the last, you know, I don't know how many games it is. And then the churning out, similar results and similar performances. And I've said before that there is that much quality in the players that are on the pitch. Every now and then, they'll turn it around on a sixpence just because they, they have got that. And yeah. maybe up against the lesser team, I think last season, the amount of games they went behind and won and, you know, man, new fans at the time wouldn't have battered an eyelid, but that's sort of led to where they are now because the fact that you're conceding every week to any team in the league is a yeah. problem for me that, you know, you, you, you can't defend properly. And the defend the defending doesn't just mean the back four and the keeper. It's right through the team. And they've highlighted it so many times in the last few weeks. They did particularly against us and, again, against Liverpool. The fact that they don't press together, they press as individuals. One presses, the ball's played past him. The next, the next man's not there in time. So it's so easy to play through them and they get stretched. And, you know, I was watching it on uh, on Sunday and I was like literally not talking to myself, but thinking to myself, this is getting really awkward. It's embarrassing mm. that Liverpool are seemingly walking through you, um, you know, at, at will. And, and, it, and Anderson and Kaito, unfortunately, Miller went off. They were absolutely running, you know, that midfield with a couple of players that Solskjaer doesn't seem to want to drop. And I just don't understand his team selections. I mean, I'm looking here now. I mean, they've scored 16, but they've conceded 15. Exactly. You know, that, and that, that straight away. That's, that's a, for a team that, you know, thinks or wants to believe that they've got a chance of winning the league. Yeah. You know, to, score, to become seeding 15 at the same time scoring 16. You haven't got a prayer. You haven't got a chance of doing it. Yeah. Uh, and that's, like I say that, so right now, Drawing board, trading ground. After that, right, we do not concede this next game. What do we need to do? Is it personnel? Is it formation? Is it a bit of both? Do I need to change the way I'm doing it? Do I need to put someone different in front of the back four? Do I need to change the back four? All, they should be asking all these questions, but in all this time, like you've just said, they've conceded 50 goals. I haven't seen anything change every no, week. No. Just, just to compare that, Chelsea have conceded three, Liverpool six and Man City four. Um even West Ham have, have conceded 10. And say they've conceded 15, you've got Brentford have only let nine in. You know, 
Burnley, who were third from bottom with four points, have conceded 15. And it does kind of sum it up. But they have got the, you know, you've got an eight, the most expensive centre back in the world mm. in there, you know, with um, with, with uh, Harry Maguire. I mean, do you think that the win over Atlanta probably just papered over the cracks? Because before that game, I've got to be honest with you, I had I had Liverpool down to beat them. And yeah. when they came back against Atlanta, I thought, oh, they've got a bit of fight in them. Maybe it'll be a draw. But it probably, like I say, papered over the cracks. And like you say, you know, Ronaldo probably was the saviour of that team. And that's probably what, like you've said before, that saved them more than tactical changes or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you shouldn't be going down 2-0 to Atlanta. You know, it's as simple as that. If you're Man United, Man City, Chelsea, whoever you are, you know, it's it shouldn't happen. And and what you get in there is that you're sloppy, you're conceding goals, and then you get the reaction of the players. That reaction should start the minute they walk on the pitch. Or it shouldn't even be a reaction. It should be an action. And it's yeah. not. They're sort of getting stung into a retaliation. Uh, and that's not how it should be. And, and that's, for me, like it started last season. It's carried through to this season. And then, for me, I know, you know, if we're going to talk about it, you know, is he the man for the job? Yeah. I don't think so because he's not changed it yet and it's been going on for months and months and months. And I think, you know, any other manager will be like, you know, like I say, let's analyse it, what's going wrong. And the fact that he's, you know, I talk about him every week, I think, Van der Beek, I think I feel so sorry for the lad, but the only saving grace is the cash he's earning for not doing a yeah. deal. But he's, he's missed a season out of his career. He'll look back when he's retired and he can't be a professional footballer and he'll just think, what a waste that was. You know, yeah. why did I sign there? Why didn't I try? And I've, I've understood, I've read something today that he's changed his agent in frustration at wanting to leave. So, you know, you might see uh, something there, you know, in the summer in the summer window. But why do you break your neck to pay? Was it 43 or 34? I always get that one the wrong way around. I think it's 43 million. And he's, he's, he's played a handful of games in like league cups and you know, no, you know, games that don't mean anything. And that again, I don't know what that does to a player when it's saying, you know, I've paid all this money, but you're only playing in Carabao Cup for us and you yes. know, against Scunthorpe Reserves or you know, whoever it is. It, it must be so demoralizing for him. And, and right now, it's crying for someone else in that position because you know, I quite like McTominay, but Fred's not been doing it for some time and you know, no. he, he was a passenger on on Sunday and, and he looks second rate and you've got to change things up or do something different. And a manager that's not doing well, that doesn't do anything different, doesn't deserve to be in the job for me. No. Ant there from Ant's Leicester fan channel. Good evening. So how the devil are you? Go there and check them out. Another great Leicester channel. Um, who, just in case you've forgotten, and because you do, uh, you didn't know the other night, Monday night, nine o'clock, it's the Three Amigos. Ants Leicester fan channel will be on the 90 and Leicester till I die. We'll be looking back at the month's um, uh, uh, action, shall we say, for Leicester City. Ollie's at the wheel. I mean, Rio Ferdinand must regret ever, ever making those comments on, on the show. But as you said there, unfortunately, the MOT has failed. Um, <laughs> and Ant said there, yeah, we should give Van der Becker a, a loving home. I agree. I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't turn it away. Yeah. Especially, especially if you know, unfortunately, uh, Tealman's goes. But you know, as, as I look at Solskjaer, I'm thinking like he was brought in because um, Jose had basically lost the dressing room and and they wanted him out, and, and they got him out, I think. And they brought Solskjaer in, and he had the most amazing turnaround. 
that you could you could have imagined. You know, it wasn't sort of a, a new manager, you know, bump. It was a new manager, Mount Everest. You know, they, they, they didn't lose for so many games. He got them winning again. But then they went and gave him this contract before he'd finished his temporary chop contract. And it all went kind of went wrong, you know. And, you know, I think now... He hasn't just hasn't got that experience. And I think if it was anybody other than Solskjaer, who obviously is a hero at Man United for what he what he did, I think he would have been gone already. Yeah, I mean, we never know 100 percent what happens behind closed doors, but it always yeah. seemed it seemed like uh, when Mourinho was there, it was probably a tense atmosphere right across the training ground. There was that altercation with Pogba, which was made quite public. There was the thing with Luke Shaw, which was obviously extremely public. You know, Mourinho made that public himself. And, it's you know, it looked like the atmosphere wouldn't have been fantastic. And for me, I think when Oli came in, I think the biggest thing he will have done is relieve that atmosphere, turned it around, and the results would have come from that. But, you know, that's just like a it's, – it's a bit like a reaction where an environment's got better and it perks everyone up a bit. And, you know, they go out and get a, a few results and get on a run. But then he gets the contract and does he change as a manager now that all of a sudden, you know, it's not this – casual contract as it might have been it's like a you know this is it I'm now the manager mm. of Manchester United does he change the way he does things because he now realizes the pressure that he's under uh, and what he's got mm. to do with this team you know he sort of came on a bit of a sabbatical a bit of a you know like yeah. a, it was a hol- it was a holiday job for a short time wasn't it? And he came <laughs> it in, yeah. made everyone made everyone laugh changed the mood everyone was happy yeah. goals were going in they were winning games brilliant job done uh, yeah. but then when you sign on the uh, on the dotted line, on the, in the, you know, in the real contracts. And it's a totally different animal, as we've seen, you know, David Moyes go there, Mourinho go there, you yeah. know, and others. Uh, and it, 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 they found it a big task, you know, especially after the reign of, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson. So, um, yeah, I, I just I look on the side of the pitch on Sunday and I don't see him offering a lot. I don't, you know, no. he's shaking his head and tutting and I don't see him directing his players or changing things about. The interview afterwards, I thought, was awful. You know, it's no real excuse and they should have won more headers and they should have done this and, you know, and we're all going to stick together. It's just, you know, that's a, a 1980s team talk, that. So It's um, almost, it, almost a standard talk that managers yeah. give when they are in trouble, isn't it? Yeah, you know? it is. It is. It's a, yes. There's a lot of yeah. cliches in there and, you yeah. know, it's, um, and, you know, them can look back at his previous record and didn't do well at Cardiff, you know, but gets the yeah. man new job. You yeah. know, did well at Molder, fair enough, but that's you know a different entity to any league in England. Um, it is, it is. And somebody said the other day on the show, but yeah, look what he did. Molder hadn't done this, blah blah blah. But it's Molder in the Norwegian league, it is a different kettle of yeah. fish. They took a chance on him, but you know, like I say, what you know, what business makes the decision when yes, he's doing well, but you've got him on a contract to the end of the season, so let that contract run till the end of the season because he wasn't going to go anywhere else if it was going well. Uh, uh, but you know, you, you, you don't need sense or any business that acumen to run a football club, do you? You know, uh, <laughs> and says here the fans won't turn on him because he's Ole Man United legend. To be honest with you, you'll be surprised. And I'm hearing as many Man United fans turning on Ole now as Arsenal fans turning on a Teta. So they could they could form a little group together. Um, when he came in as a proper manager, it was the players putting a shift in to put two fingers up to Jose. Yeah, I mean there's so much there, but um, but anyway, I don't think he'll be there at the end of the season. 
Um, and, I, and I thought if he didn't win anything, he'd be gone then. So, but I don't think he's gonna he's gonna last. So we're just going to finish very quickly. We're going to keep it to one question, if that's okay, Julian. Because I'm just watching the time now, and we've been on an end. Uh, we did have we did have the uh, un, un, unplanned break in the middle. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go and try and edit out later. But uh, Terry, right at the start, right at the start of the evening, put this question. So as he was in first, I, I'll, I'll pick this one. Um, Here's my question for Julian tonight. Did a must-win match like a cup game affect the sleep, your sleep before or after such a game? I.e. nerves before a game and adrenaline rush if you if a big win after the game. Um, good question, Terry. Um, I think that that's definitely different for each player. There each player handles you know stuff differently. I know before every single game I'd be nervous, but that turned into like a good energy when I got on the pitch. It, you know, it it didn't leave you, but it turned. It just put you on such an edge that you needed to be in when you when you were on the pitch. So you know, before the game, I'd be like panicking, worried. Oh, I hope I have a good game. So I used to worry about stuff like that. Uh, but that that turned good, and I, you know, the biggest one of all was obviously the playoff final when my yeah. stomach was in absolute knots. Uh, you know, I've never felt nerves yeah. quite like it, uh, and I, I've got a really good picture of me walking out, and it looks like I've, I need to go to the toilet. So. Uh, very, very, very sense, very sense times they were, but you know, you yeah. got on the pitch and the whistle, and this is just me personally, so everybody's different. But personally, yeah. that whistle went, and then you were into the game, and you had a few touches, and and then that was it. You were in game mode, and uh, like I say, some people are different. Some people didn't even get the nerves; they just had that real mental confidence in themselves that um, you know they knew they had the right to be on that pitch, and and they were just going to go and uh, perform again. So uh, everyone's different, but yeah. Not the night before, never affected my sleep, but yeah, definitely right. on the day of the game, morning, you'd go down for breakfast, you'd be starting to think about the game, you know, the, the pre, pre-match meal at 12 o'clock, and then you're sort of nearly in it, getting on the bus to the ground from wherever you are. And that, that's when it just starts to build up towards that, you know, three o'clock kickoff. But for me, when it started, uh, more often than not, I was okay. And you didn't have any adrenaline rush after if you won a game because you were normally uh, normally too drunk to worry about the adrenaline rush. For that, you know, it, it's so true. It wasn't it wasn't adrenaline. It was just it was pure joy. But the the great thing that we had, a, and I've told you before about how tight we yeah. were as a group, and and it was that thing. It was like you know we'd have beers on the bus. We'd be in the players' lounge wherever we were, home or away. You know, having a beer, celebrating, and you know more often than not on the away games. And this is when we were on the great run in the championship. You know, we'd be out for a few beers when we got home. Missus would take the car home and we'd be out in the town and we'd probably have the day off the next day. So, um, you know, not not right for the modern day footballer, but it, it really, really sort of worked for us. It galvanised us and, you know, that spirit that we had in that team, you know, it's something I'll never forget. I don't think any of the players will. We were yeah. just unbelievably tight and you could feel that when we played on the pitch and, you know, there was never any backbiting, not getting on at each other. It was all encouragement and helping people out. And, uh, you know, it was a fantastic time. Or do, what we like to say after tonight's show, doing, doing a razor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you were, <laughs> bless him, when you were out, though, did you ever get sort of, you know, drinking? Were you ever, I mean, these days it's different. You've got to be careful what you do because of phones with cameras and uh, mm. and everything and uh, or even even Mr Scholes if you were doing anything with your daughter um which I, I I heard of I heard about today Craig said earlier something about Paul Scholes off count and I'm thinking like what are you on about and I I can't believe it but that's that's for another show after midnight um <laughs> allegedly 
But I mean, did were you ever sort of bothered by the fans, or did they just let you leave you alone? Or no, that was it. Was another it's another great thing about Leicester as a club. No, they were great. You know, it was like they'd, they'd come up, they might buy you a beer, they might want to talk to you for five minutes, and then they'd leave you alone. You know, you never yeah. got bombarded. And I, and I know it's changed a lot since then, and probably we wouldn't be out in Simpkins till all hours. You know, these days, if we were in the first team, as we were then, but you know, we'd go to a club, and they were just it was just you know general people there, and. It, Never got bothered, never got into any trouble, always had a laugh, yeah. you know. Bouncers were always great with us, and it, it was just... And again, it just carried on. The, the atmosphere in the city uh, was great, you know, right through yeah. that period, and obviously getting into the Premier League, and I think we won the Rugby League that year, the, the league in the Rugby Union, we won the cricket that... You know, everything about Leicester at the time uh, was fantastic, and we were quite an underdoggy quite kind of team, so, yeah. you know, we probably perceived as, as overachieving which we love that. We love being the underdogs in every game we played because, you know, we could always, you know, fight and scrap and we did have a bit of quality on top as well. So yeah. I just think with everyone in the in the town, they'd be pleased to see us out. We'd be, you know, hey, you're all right, lads, and all that. And it, it was just a wonderful atmosphere. I'm just going to sneak this quick one in if I can because David's just come in and it just relates to something you were saying before uh, about... Oli- Oops, um, wrong one. <laughs> um, here we go. Um Terry's not here next week. Thank you, Terry, for, for popping in. Um, look after the missus and the dog. I have to make that distinction now because I, I got into trouble. Uh, thanks for joining us, your question. But David says, um, do any of the players look over to the manager on the sidelines for signals during the game as a habit or are they too engrossed in the game? Do they listen to the shouting of the manager or even hear it? Uh, just going from what you said about Ollie not doing anything on the side of the pitch. I mean, you could yeah, do I mean, it, uh, Martin O'Neill, could you? I'm going to say, I think, I think, I think Martin and Ollie are, are absolutely 180 degrees away from each other. So, I think we all know how animated Martin got. I think with myself, if you made a mistake, you knew he'd be ranting at you, and you'd probably look over him. But never really looked over him. You just can't hear them. You really can't yeah. hear them. And you'll find most of the time. I mean, I know they take the Mickey sometimes these days when. A player comes on as a sub and he takes some notepaper on and he passes it on to someone. But that, you know, you literally can't be heard. And that's you'll see players or captain run over to the sideline, speak to the manager, gives his instructions. He'll then go and relay them out to as many people as he can. Yeah. Uh, but in them days, you know, and the thing is, the other thing is sometimes if you did, you know, drop a ball, you'd, you'd probably not want to look at the manager because he knew he'd be creating you. <laughs> so you'd deliberately like look the other way and point to someone and tell him to mark him tight and hopefully just pass. But um now you, you can't really hear them, to be honest. And there are, there are a few occasions where you could, but um, it, it wasn't something for me personally. It was just sort of getting on the game. And there was that much chat on the pitch between us as players. We were a very vocal team. Lennon, Claridge, Walshy, you know, myself, Simon Grayson. There was a lot of chat on that pitch. And, you know, we, we sort of kept each other going. And was it nice but playing on the other side to the manager? Did you say, like, ah, yeah, I've dropped a ball. Look, I'm going to go over and play on the other side of the pitch now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, did, I didn't often have that luxury. So, uh, you know, no. it was one of those. But, uh, no, I mean, it, it was a tough taskmaster, Martin. He'd pick up on, you know, every last tiny mistake, mistakes that you'd forgotten yeah. about that you didn't even think were significant. But, you know, at half-time and after the game, he'd, uh, he'd always remind you. So, uh, you knew exactly where you stood with him. <laughs> I bet you would. Julian, thank you so much for joining us again. Um, and apologies, like I say, for the uh, for the technical gremlins earlier that uh, threw a spanner in the works. 
But as always, it's great to hear uh, uh, somebody talking about football that knows what they're talking about. It makes a change on this channel. <laughs> if you could just edit that bit out where I'm just staring at the camera for about two minutes, that'd be fantastic. Oh no, I actually did that for the uh, for the old Conservative Women's Association. <laughs> <laughs> they did just want like a couple of minutes where uh, they could just stare skills. at you. Yeah. <laughs> no worries, mate. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Julian. And yes, uh, we'll see later. you next week. All the best. Stay safe. Yes. All the best to your family. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Oh, thanks very much for Julian. He did get dropped in it a little bit. I don't know. Uh, Terry did say that somebody, another channel was having uh, problems with StreamYard earlier. Um, of course, this is um, run through StreamYard. Is that, uh, in fact, it, uh, my gremlin here, my little gremlin behind me that was causing trouble. <laughs> um, Terry the Troll, that's what his name is. Um, now, so unfortunately, yes, he was left staring at the screen for a long time. Hey, don't forget, we were on a lot this week. On Thursday, though, as well as having a new quiz, we've got um, the Prediction League show. This week, we've got Mark Selby. Yeah, indeed, potting a few balls. He knows all about that. Um, getting the ball in the net, a different ball in a different net. Probably a lot harder to get his balls in his net, if you see what I mean, in the nicest possible way. They're a little bit smaller, aren't they? He will not be joining us himself on Thursday, but um, he obviously is busy. But he has sent us in his predictions. Uh, so we, um, we're looking forward to that. Great guy. And it was really, really nice of him to do that. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow with the um, post-match show. Um, that will be coming up. Uh, at about half ten, half ten tomorrow. So uh, don't miss that out. And um, don't forget, check out the BBC Leicester City homepage, and uh, you will see my thoughts for Tuesday. And I don't know what they call it. Um, and uh, I've written today's as just gone live this morning. Thanks very much. Thanks for putting putting up with us. Thanks for sticking with us through the mistakes and through the the errors earlier. It's been one of those nights tonight. Two night, two shows tonight. Uh, this was the sloppy second one, and we had problems with both of them, guys. Thank you so much, and um, we will see you tomorrow at ten thirty. Take care. Stay safe. All the best now. Hello, Matt Elliott here. Be sure to watch. Leicester Till I Die TV on YouTube and follow all their social media platforms for the latest updates and news on Leicester City Football Club.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Ultimate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.